basically, I, I try and stop my thought, my anxious thought, or my fear thought. Not completely, it doesn't go away, but it's basically just like take a step back or two. And then it's not even that I, you know, wait for it to go away. It's that I do something else. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest because her story is such a great example of resilience and ingenuity in the face of uncertainty. It's likely that at some point we've all faced challenges to our livelihood. It could come in the form of a layoff, a health diagnosis, or an economic downturn that catches us in its trap. It's how we respond to that challenge that defines us. Today, I'm talking to Michelle Widmeyer. She's a chiropractor and acupuncturist who's been studying and working in the field of holistic medicine for over 20 years. She wasn't always in the field of wellness, so that's the first part of her story. The COVID shutdown was, of course, a massive roadblock for her private practice. Her response to the shutdown is what I find fascinating, and I hope you will too. She chose to entirely rethink her business and reinvented it with the new name, Ground Control Wellness. I love that name. She created a mobile chiropractic acupuncture and wellness clinic designed to respond to her current and new patient base in the midst of the COVID-19 shutdown. What does that mean? It means she bought a van and outfitted it for the safe treatment of her patients. Isn't that cool? I can't wait for you to meet her and hear how she did it. But before we do, I want to remind you that I created a free guide for you designed to help you start taking the next steps towards your next act. It's a workbook called Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. You can sign up to receive it as an email series with some practical exercises you can use over the course of several weeks to get past feeling stuck. You can do these at your own pace, as they'll be waiting for you in your inbox when you're ready for the next step. I'll remind you at the end of the episode and tell you where to sign up if you're interested. Okay, without further ado, here's Michelle Widmeyer. Let's go. Hey, Michelle, thank you so much for being here with me today. Hi, thanks, Yvonne. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, uh, I'm so excited. Um, so I always like to say how I met people and you and I were introduced by Miss Amy Allen, my buddy. Uh, she, she sent me an email one day and said, Hey, I was thinking about your podcast and mm -hmm. my chiropractor has this really <laughs> cool thing she's doing. Mm -hmm. Would you be interested? And I was like, yes, I would. <laughs> Super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, after talking to you, uh, was definitely intrigued by your story and the pivoting that you've been doing throughout your life and career, really. I mean, I guess kind of going back to your thirties, right? When you went back to twenties, yeah. thirties. Yeah. When did you go back to become a chiropractor? Cause I know you were working. Oh, I went back to school. Yeah. Then. It was in my thirties. Yep. In your thirties. I I, yep. I was working corporate, um, well, fashion corporate 
And um, I left there and did a few things in between and, um, and was mostly directing myself to, to go back to school. Yeah. Gotcha. And, what yeah, were the in-between yeah. things? I always kind of like to hear the in-between so, stories. When I was, I was working at Ralph Lauren in their design studios in Manhattan and um, through a friend that I was working with, <clears throat> she introduced me to this woman named Yamina Zaik. And she was a, a healer, a body worker. Um, she still is, she's in New York City and introduced me to her. And um, because I had injuries, I was a cyclist, I was a competitive cyclist. And, you know, she said, go see her. She's going to help you with these injuries. And, and it was just one of those moments. I mean, I've always lived my life holistically and um, had a lot of interest, just, you know, side gigs, so to speak of just things I was interested in, especially about my own health. Mm-hmm. And, and I was an athlete. And so I went to see her and um, she did some work on me and I was, you know, I walked away from that situation and then went back and, you know, kept going like, wow, this is really interesting. Like I was really drawn to this person as, as a healer, as a, as now a teacher and just out of my own, um, being interested in health and, um, that I was a cyclist, I wanted to learn more. And so she did these trainings and it was just a click. And so I started doing her trainings. I'm still working at Ralph Lauren. And it, and it, you know, it just, it was something that just was a, a strong pivot for me. And it got to the point where she wanted me to work with her. I'm like, well, I have my day job. And so, right. um, so it, it was, and there were some other life things in there too, that helped me with that decision, but it was, um, you know, basically a moment where I just said, well, you know, is this the work I want to do? Or is this the work I want to do? And so I made that really challenging leap from good paying job, health insurance, especially back there in in the 90s, when your health insurance was like paid for everything. (laughs) And, and no co-pays, no deductibles, and dental, you know, and, um, and wow. so that's another world, right? But yeah, so you you were going from safety and yeah. surety, right? And and yeah. a little bit of predictability and then that's into right. to like this like, you know, huge unknown of, you know, a, apprenticing with my teacher and um yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it was a big deal. And then um it, you know, there's lots of details in there but so there was another thing that drew me to California. And so I moved to California for like a, a, a second and then I moved back and then I moved back again. And so while I was working with Yamana, I also realized like, I love doing this work. I love everything about it. It was like, this is kind of my thing. And, but I also started feeling like I needed more information. Like I, I started feeling as if I, you know, I, I would be presented with something that I didn't have all the answers to because I didn't know enough about anatomy, physiology, you know, all those things. Yeah. So I started looking at, well, I want that. I, so how do I get more education? So I was looking at, I was actually going to go to med school, but at that oh, point wow. I was, um, you know, it was more like, it would be another 10 years 
Yes, <laughs> a lot of money. That would be a so, huge because of my commitment. age. And also, and then I had a friend who was a chiropractor and she, you know, and, and so I started spending time with her and talking to her about it. And I'm like, you know, this sounds more like me. You know, this sounds more like, you know, holistic and, you know, I'll have to go back to school and do some pre-med. And then it's, you know, four years after that, and it's going to be a lot of money, but let me just start it. And so that's what I did. And I did all kinds of scrappy little jobs to put myself through school. <laughs> As you do, and, right? You know, big fat student loans for graduate school, that's for sure. And um, yeah, and then, you know, graduated. And, and because I was an older graduate student at that point, uh, I was 37, um, you know, I had that maturity and I'm a good student anyway. And so I, I developed relationships with, you know, my professors. And because I knew I was going to graduate from school and I needed to make some money <laughs> somehow. Um, I did a lot of different things like right at the beginning. And one of them was as soon as I left, I walked into my Dean's office and said, here's my application. Give me a job. <laughs> Cause for you, also, Oh my gosh, I love that. Me. And he said, can you be in practice for about a year first, at least, you know, it's like, we trust what you're doing. And I'm like, okay, I'll go do that for you. And then I was back in a year. I'm like, give me a job. And where so did I you did. go to? So was, hold on. I'm going to back you up. Where did you yeah, go to school? No and when you said you left to move to California for a hot minute, you were yeah. living in New York. I was pre, living right? in New York. Yeah. So New I, York. Well, no, I was living in New York when I got to San Diego. I moved to San Diego when oh. I got there. It's like so many, you know, I'm just that personality. Like I'm going to figure it out. So I had, um, I was able to do my undergrad there. So that's what I did. Okay. And, you know, did a million other things to, in San Diego. to pay the bills in that's San Diego. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And I was very fortunate. I got like, you know, grants and things like that. And, and I had every, I always had the intention of coming back. I almost stayed in California just based on where the chiropractic schools were. So there's one in LA, there's one in San Francisco, but there was another pull back to the East Coast. So that's mm -hmm. why I went to University of Bridgeport, which is their okay. chiropractic program there. Yeah. Gotcha. And then you, so you, so then, you finished school, you opened your own mm -hmm. practice for a little bit, and then you went back to them and said, okay, now hire me. Yeah. Yeah. I opened my own practice. I covered practices. I was still working um, part-time when I used to live in Sleepy Hollow, New York. So further down, um, with a chiropractor there basically assisting i worked at the burke rehab hospital like just doing body work and trying to get a chiropractic program in there and that was a like i did you know i had all kinds of advisors around it that didn't work so i just tried a lot tried on a lot of different things mm -hmm. meanwhile i was also building my practice basically like hang the shingle and sit there and like nobody's coming but i was able to set up all my systems and build a website and do all these things while I'm waiting and doing other things to make money. So, yeah. You yeah, know, it's that's... funny when you're trying to build a business um, and you want, you want it to go, you know, you've got goals, right. And you, and you, yeah, you're thinking, totally. okay, I'm going to hang my shingle and they're going to come and, <laughs> and, and it doesn't happen like that. Right. So, but there's, Almost, yeah. I don't know if you would agree, but is, there's almost a blessing in a slow build because as yes. you said, you were building your systems yes. and that gave you time yeah. to do that. Do you think that was beneficial for you? I, that was 
absolutely beneficial. And I, and it's because of the my practice today is solid. Even though we're in a pandemic, it's my my practice is referral based. It's always been referral based. It's strong referrals. It's like just runs itself. I'm just waiting for people to come out of the house right now. <laughs> and, you know, and that was a lot of blood, sweat and tears. That was, all, and that was also like, uh, I guess, luck, like the person I would meet that would come in and love what I did and go. And they happened to be like a big connector to a lot of other people. And, you know, so I had that. And then I met, and also just with my credentialing, I met someone right at the beginning of my practice who brought me into um, the New Haven Open, which was the pilot pen, which is basically the WTA, the tennis tournament in New mm, Haven, Connecticut. Okay. That's a yeah. week before the US Open. So I was there for nine years. She was referred to me and I said to her like, can I work with the professional tennis players? And she's like, let me, get you in touch with the person you need to talk to. And they said, yes. So, you know, the next nine years, every time that tournament was going on, I was up there. And so that also gave me, like I was working with these amazing physiotherapists and, um, you know, their people that travel with them yeah. and then offering what I did. I just lost some like that. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so that was another like, you know, a gift because it also lended to now I can say that like, yeah, I'm work, I've worked with professional tennis players for yeah. nine years. Yeah. And absolutely. that tournament is now closed, unfortunately, because they lost funding. And when it oh. became a women's only tournament, that was the sad part about that. You know, oh, really? Had trouble keeping it. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So, so you, so you worked with these professional athletes. What did that lead you to? Um, with these. I think that just led me to, um, first of all, the experience of that. And when I would see people who were athletes, like it basically, it didn't like, didn't give me a stream of patience per mm -hmm. se. It gave me credentials. It gave yeah. me, um, you know, that next level of professional experience mm -hmm. that's that I could, that, that helps people feel more confident in, in, you know, seeing me yeah, as opposed to someone else. So, yeah. and, you know, for me just professionally, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, I learned a lot and it, you know, I, it was, it was great. It was great. Yeah. And when you and, get to work um, on a level like that, mm -hmm. it gives you besides the credentialing that where other people can then, you know, that little stamp of approval, that looks good to other people. It, I imagine yeah. it brought up your level of confidence as well in your own yeah. abilities. Yeah. And what yeah. The level and that, that you took were a while at. too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's why they call it a practice. You graduate mm -hmm. school and I get to go practice, meaning you get to get better. You're going to screw up sometimes and you just keep practicing. So all these things gave me more teaching and then working with the WTA, working at the tennis tournament. So all those things were part of my practice being strengthened and, you know, just giving me more um, credentials, I guess, or, you know, just, and more confidence. Teaching, I think, did most of that. You know, you, you're better at what you do if you teach it. 
I mean, everybody says that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that was all, I mean, I'm still teaching just it's a little different right now, but yeah. Um, yeah. So you've been in practice now for, for how long has it been then? 12 years, 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. yeah. And so were there any pivots that before COVID or was COVID kind of the big I COVID was definitely the big. <laughs> I mean, I know that that's where what's led yeah, COVID you to the new was, business model, right? That's right. That's yeah. I would not have done this. In fact, I I remember saying to some people um, a couple years ago because I I I'm really grateful that I landed into a successful practice that just kind of ran itself. And I used to say, and, and just the way I was practicing, I was going into corporate offices. Um, I was invited in, that was another connection. It was like, you know, can you come to us? We'll give you a space, you know, and schedule. So I, I was given that invitation as well as, you know, so kind of the on-site person for their, for their employees. Person. Right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that was a really great Thing for my practice and guess what my revenue and I was saying to um I've I said a few times over the last few years I'm like I'm in this like really nice work bubble like I'm making a really good revenue yay for me and it's working really well I'm not really working that hard I'm traveling like all of a sudden I felt like an adult in my life <laughs> you know like look at this I'm hoping to get there and someday <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'm like, wow. But then there was a part of this like, you know, this is a nice bubble. I'm going to really appreciate this because I feel like there's factors that could change. And then this is all gone. And then COVID hit. And I'm like, well, at least there was a part of me that was like, well, I kind of like, you know, had a, like a sense of this, like something. Oh, I'm and so here's glad that you took something. the time to appreciate that. That's, that, that's incredible yeah. that you were able yeah. to tap into, um, recognizing the, the yeah. good place that you were in because yeah, it's 50, yeah. 50 for all of us. Right. That's right. Maybe. That's right. Um, you know, I can't say I was prepared for it though. <laughs> even so, right. <laughs> in a way of like, I don't think nobody was prepared for this. Nobody no, was prepared no. for this. So, you know. So you, yeah. you, so you, um, when we were talking earlier, you live in New York, but your practice yeah. was primarily in Westport, Connecticut, right? Connecticut. Because you lived in Connecticut mm -hmm. for a little bit, if I remember right. Yeah. And yeah. so here you are, you're living in New York, COVID happens. So mm. paint a picture for us about what happened to your practice and where you, where your head went with, with that. Right. So COVID happened and because there was state mandates of shut, shutting down, right? Mm -hmm. So my practice and because I was going into corporate office. So the first stage for me was I'm going into corporate offices three days a week. And the very beginning of March, they sent everybody home. Mm -hmm. And literally overnight, my schedule went from full <laughs> to not full. And then the next couple of weeks into March, I still had my office in Westport where other people who weren't part of this, you know, stream of, of patients um, were still coming to see me. But then it started becoming more clear about what was now happening. And then there, so this was maybe second week in March. 
And then I was renting a space that, <clears throat> excuse me, that was shared. And the owner of the building um, decided that they were going to cut their losses also and permanently close down the building. Mm. So April 1st, I was without any, I mean, shut down like everybody. If you're in the service industry, if you were having one-on-one, if you weren't treating emergency people, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that if it was emergency only, then you weren't working. So, so I was shut down, but now my building was shutting down. And so it, and I've moved before in Westport, so it wasn't going to be that big of a deal. Like I was like, well, I can't see anybody right now anyway. Let me just start to think about where I'll grab another space in Westport. You know, that, that wasn't, that wasn't going to be a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. It was just more the timing. Like, I mean, back in April, we're like, yeah, this will be over in June. Yeah. And I am going to toss in for for people who Mm -hmm. don't live in this tri-state area, a little bubble that we're in. um, Westport is next door to the town I live in, which is about an hour from New York City by train or by car, really. Right. Right. So um, so but you're living in New York. And you'd have to cross the state line to come and and work here, right? So, and New York was heavily shut down. Yeah, there was, there was that where I was paying attention to, you know, them suddenly like closing things down and whether you can move back and forth. But I always had, because I'm a provider, I always had the status of that I could, um, I, I wasn't like I was in the essential worker group, essentially, right? So I, I was still going to be able to move back and forth. So I could have seen patients. I could, I, as an essential worker, because that was what I was given at the very beginning, you're an essential worker, you can still work. But the still work was very clear. The still work was in an emergency. Like if you are if you have to, like if you need, and, and so I wasn't going to put myself or my patients in that, like, it was really clear. Like I had to have like a sit down with myself. I'm like, okay, no, I'm shut down until we know what this is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not seeing patients. I had people still, you know, like three or four weeks into it. It's like, you know, do you have any office hours right now? I'm like, no. <laughs> We're in a right. pandemic. Oh my goodness. So, what, you know, so was... here's a question for you. Like I, I mm-hmm. used to go see a chiropractor, um, not on a regular basis, but I have a bad back that can go out every now and again. And man, when, mm-hmm. when it goes out, it feels like an emergency. I gotta say, I know. so I know. did you have people calling you and saying, Michelle, I'm in incredible yeah. pain, like, and you've got to, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, there's telemedicine and, mm-hmm. you know, I never billed for a telemedicine, but you know, it's like, so you have to think about like the nature of my practice is very strongly referral based. And what I say, very family oriented, like I've been seeing groups of people for 12 years, mm. their babies born, their kids grow up. So for me and just who I am, I guess, and not to have any arrogance around that is like, if people called me, I just spent time on the phone. I mean, mostly if I was speaking to patients and trying to guide them through whatever's going on and give them advice or just help them with information, 
Um, I'm a little bit of a nerd around science and information. So, um, you know, help them navigate also and myself, you know, so, so there was some of that. Um, I think, you know, mostly people just also just kind of dealt with it. Like everybody else had that same experience of, okay, my back's okay. I mean, you can say the same thing about people who needed other kinds of medical care. I'll wait. Dental mm-hmm. work, I'll wait, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. let's just wait. So, I'll, and we're going to see the results of that down the road too. All the, the, you know, regular visits, whether emergency or not, that people waited on, you know, hopefully we'll all be okay. But, you know, people didn't do a lot of things because they were just, I'll deal with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Pop a couple of Advil and do, do the best they could. Yeah, you, <laughs> call me um, and I'll tell them like, okay, well, we've had this conversation before. So we'll just tell you again, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is. Uh, um, you know, so. so then you had like a little, a little stroke of genius, I would say. Mm-hmm. Right. And t- yeah, I, um, when I s- realized opening up an office, was not going to solve my problem of now the people who were in these corporate offices, which was a big chunk of my practice are now home and home is everywhere. Home was even New York city. So I wasn't going to catch those people, but everybody else who's all over the fair lower Fairfield County and would drive to their corporate office in Westport. They're now all over. So I thought, well, a office will keep my local people, but it's, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to get all those other people. It's part of a drive. Or it's just, you know, it's going to complicate things. So I've a friend of mine in, um, in row eight, and she was talking to me about her, um, her vet. And she's mentioned like a few months before, she's like, oh yeah, she comes in, in a mobile office. And she's even done surgery on my dog in her mobile office. Like she's part, I was like, what? Really? <laughs> and so that was the thing. That was the seed. Oh. I was like, well, if a vet can do surgery in a van. <laughs> like, so, so then, then it was research and I was just like, okay, this might, how would this work? And like, it just, just everything just started turning and I started doing research. Who else is doing it? How are they doing it? What kind of vehicles? you know, how do I get a vehicle? How do I build a vehicle? What do I need in it? Like all these things. And I just, you know, I was standing in front of my computer for days and days and days. And then it was like, and how do I get the money to do that? Like, there's just all these things. Right. How do I make it safe? Mm-hmm. And that was really the, you know, there was two things. One, that was now going to be mobile and I can go get to some of these people. And I can also help with that people are afraid to leave their homes mm-hmm. right that they're that they're still they're still right now struggling with that and um and then the second part was me being able to completely control the environment so now we're talking about covid safety you know i have a hepa filter involved installed and circulating air open the doors it's all cleaned out you know like i'm controlling the environment and keeping it safe and i did a lot of research around that um and then set it up so so there was that there was like here's your safe space i mean for me you know a lot of my patients that i've seen through this time 
they tell me is like, you're the only other thing we're doing. Like <laughs> we're inside <laughs> and we're seeing you. And, and that this also speaks to like what most importantly is, you know, that I've kept a communication and trust with my patients. Yeah. So, you know, those that they trusted me to that I would say like this, 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 and this, and this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, aside from maybe they run to the grocery store once every two weeks, they were seeing me. So. Wow. And, and even that was, but it was like a brand new practice. I mean, it was like a brand new thing. Like everything about my practice, I had to think about it differently. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and, and it wasn't like, I just drove up my van and said, here I am. And then everyone piled in. It, that took a while. I felt like at the beginning again, you know, how do I tell people? How do I how do I show this off, you know, or how right. do I, how do you communicate that the, the safe protocols that you're using mm -hmm. the process, mm -hmm. like right. I show up at such a, you know, how do we set this right. up? How do you set up each appointment? It's all different, right? It was all different. Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, one of the things that, um, because of how I built my practice was something that I still, relied on. And that was the few people that I saw at the very beginning in my mobile office, I said, go tell your people, like, go spread the word. And, mm -hmm. and, and that, because also I made a decision that at the beginning, I wasn't going to see new patients yet. Like I needed time to just get used to it myself mm -hmm. and learn about this a whole new dynamic and also you know know that I'm dealing with someone who's also I'm saying like come try this out this new thing <laughs> you know so to do that with somebody new I wasn't ready for it like to yeah. do that with somebody who I'd been treating for 12 years they were like cool we're all in you know so 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 it was like months before I said and even still I'm referral only like I'm not good with a cold call. <laughs> I wish I was. But really right. But clearly you don't need it. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Um, it's an amazing thing to be on referral only. That that's so yeah. great. And yeah. you you yeah. had the the trust level that you'd built up with those people, that relationship, and again, the slow build into your new processes, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I'm I mean, I'm just amazed at that that pivot and and, and really all your pivots, do you, you, as you said, just a little bit ago, you, you said, I'm, I'm just somebody who, who digs in and figures things out. Um, mm -hmm. what, I mean, what were the fears that you had going into this? I imagine there, it must've been a, lot. a little scary. <laughs> it was a lot. I mean, you know, I, and um, I'm not going to say that I was just like in this creative bubble. I was in like one moment of like, this is ridiculous. Like I, this, this, this is not going to work. And then just, you know, but not just feeling that fear. I mean, I think fear is in everything, you know, the, the um, fear of failure, you know, I, ha yes, I have a fear of failure, but I have failed before. So I have a fear of failure, but if I fail, it's, you know, if it doesn't work, I know what that feels like. 
because it's happened before. So it's okay. It doesn't who who says they're not afraid of failure? Everybody's afraid of failure. But you do it anyway. It's you know what I mean? Like you just so so yes, there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of doubt, there was a lot of anxiety around, you know, what if I, you know, it's like the what was it, the movie, you know, if I build it and they will come, what if they don't? Right. <laughs> Right. You know, what if I roll up with this very expensive piece of equipment and they don't? I mean, that was a real thing. You so know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take thing. you to a little space. I want you to 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 okay. to kind of I wanna know when you when you face those moments of fear, when mm-hmm. when when you're up against it. And, mm-hmm. you know, however that feels for you, if it's like you've got your face pressed up against a wall or you know, a weight on your chest what are you, what's the first thing you do when you get that feeling of, I can't do this, or I don't, I don't know how this is going to work or uh, just overwhelm. I breathe. <laughs> I take a deep breath and, you know, I, it, because of just my personality, I also have a lot of practices in my life and that's to um, help myself manage those types of things. So whether it's breathing pausing um and just sort of tap it just to acknowledge it like that's that's what i found most helpful because you know i've been in places in my life where you you know not acknowledging it and it's more it becomes just all the the narrative in the in in my head about you know the things that could or couldn't happen but basically i i try and stop my thought, my anxious thought, or my fear thought, not completely, it doesn't go away, but it's basically just like take a step back or two. And then it's not even that I, you know, wait for it to go away. It's that I do something else. I, um, I never really thought about this, actually, but I, it's, it's there, it doesn't go away. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, then I go do something else. It's like, and then I start to read something else. Or then if I have an idea, I kind of go with it or I write it down or I just keep playing with things. And the whole time I'm afraid, <laughs> pretty much. Mm-hmm. I can say like the whole time there's been like this underlying, like, Ugh. but it's it's not overwhelming because I'm doing all these other things that for me is, it's also, um, it's my curiosity. So I'm also like, Hey, let me see if this, let me try this. Let me do this. Let me, you know, and I I have notes and notes and notes of things that the beginning of this, I had ideas about and nothing's happened with it because it wasn't a good idea. You know, it was like, you know, a concept or a way of doing something. I was like, no, that, that hasn't how, you know, it's so it's like that. I don't know. It sounds a little, you know, chaotic, but no, it doesn't sound chaotic at all <laughs> to me. I mean, I'm, I, I think it's, um, it's clear the, the idea of pausing. Um, I, and it's always mm-hmm. the first thing that it, that I think is that when, when we're run by that, that voice of, of whether it's fear, self-criticism, the, all the limiting thoughts, right the first step is to, to get aware of them. Right. Because if you don't even realize they're back there running you, then it's just, they're back. Then they're running running you. You You got no chance (laughs) of stopping that. Right. 
Um, but I love the idea of you just acknowledging it and not, not feeling like it has to go away, but letting it be there and then finding your next, it sounds like baby step, like whatever your next step is, let me just try this small step. Would you say, um, Mm -hmm. to, to, okay. Or idea or, or Mm -hmm. something that kind of you know, spark something or it's a light bulb. And then some of that fear subsides because now I'm going more towards like, this is going to work, you know? And then, so it's, it's a, it's a wave. And I I do feel like, you know, there's, we're sort of, there's sort of the expectation is that you get rid of fear and, or your anxiety or, and I don't think, most of us do you just you find a way to work with it and there is there is a motivate you know there is something i mean there's a useful part of fear i think Mm -hmm. if you know that fear makes me find another way you know because i don't want to stay feeling that way Mm -hmm. so it's actually a little bit of a motivator to get out of that discomfort and try and find a solution I think if I was just always comfortable, I don't know, <laughs> you know, would I do this? Would I have done this <laughs> if I was, you know, if I wasn't pushed to like, yeah, like, the, like that little like piece of sand in the thing. oyster, right? The, the, mm. it's like that little the rub. That, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just that little, that little thing rubbing again up against you, making things uncomfortable, yeah. makes you move and yeah. do things. Um, do you, do you think that, um, that you're the age you're at and that being in midlife, has that been something that you feel has served you in making this pivot? Has it been something that was, that made it more of a challenge in any way, which way or, or both could it, could it be, you know, yes. And a challenge just because I feel like I need more sleep these days. (laughs) Uh I feel like, can I just rest yet? You know, there's that. So there's, there's, and I don't know if that's a challenge. That's just like, well, I I think it is. (laughs) I think just physically, you know, as we get older, I think, yeah, it's physically harder to, to keep up. Um, You know, I, as a photographer, you know, I go and do uh, much like you, I like, I'll go into, um, businesses and I've got all my gear and it's, mm-hmm. and I got to take it with me and it, and it's heavy and it's a lot, you know, yes. or I'm doing family right. photos in the lap <laughs> and I'm running around with these little munchkins That's and right. telling them to throw yeah. leaves at me or, you know, let's play chase or whatever it is we're doing. And, you know, as I get older and older, it's like, whoo, <laughs> by the end of a full day yeah. just be still i'm gonna take your shades on my home yeah. <laughs> yeah just smile stand over there yeah. i'll take a picture yeah, just, of just smile. <laughs> but yeah, totally uh, get it. yeah yeah, yeah the, the, just the physical challenge of 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 keeping yeah. a schedule that you need to 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 make that big change right um mm-hmm. do you feel like there's any way in which it helped you um yeah because yes absolutely i mean just being older and there's sort of there's, I mean, I'm so grateful. I'm 53. So I feel like around like 50 is I, there was, there was some sort of click off and the click off was 
I'm not so invested in what everybody thinks about me. You know, like I wasn't, um, I mean, I can say a few words, you know, that will be bleeped about that, but I don't bleep words. Go for it. I don't give a, you know, (laughs) and so in that I was, you know, and, and I've, I've been very aware of that actually through all this, that that's not there as much. It's there a little bit. Right. It doesn't just, but it's not there. Yeah. Yeah, It Mm -hmm. doesn't go away, Mm -hmm. but it's not there as much. Like I, there's like a groundedness I feel that is, you know, I, I talked to some of my younger friends and it's, I don't know what happens, but women in my peer group say the same thing. There's just like something that, that happens that you just, um, and what a relief really, you know, when, when I'm trying to do something like this, yeah. you know, that, that I think it's allowed for me to, um, since I don't have all that background noise or extra narratives or judgments or concerns, I've, I have all this other expansive space to do other things. And um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, it's clear to me, it's been clear to me as a younger person of that being really important, you know, what other people think. Of needing to prove yourself. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Needing to prove myself and, you know, feeling like, you know, it's just it's the American way too. It's like mm-hmm. how you're valued, you know, as a productive human being. I don't know, but boy, we really do tie it into that. Don't we? It, the productivity, how much do you make all that stuff is so it's so tied into our American value system for how we value life. How, how do you value a person's, you know, a life? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, this pandemic, it's going to going to absolutely um, reveal a lot of those kind of questions, values for a lot of people, just based on that suddenly so many things are no longer about you know how how you're showing up to your office you know it's 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 interesting and you know yeah. now you're spending your time differently and it's i mean there's going to be positives and then there's going to be a lot of really tough things that are going to have to be it's going to take a long time to help yeah. people through but um yeah i think uh yeah, I guess I just I've learned a lot, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I mean I do think it's the blessing of of what this pandemic has been is the mm-hmm. the chance for all of us to slow down and really look at our values, you know, almost be forced to look at our yeah. values this year, all yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. many levels. Um, yeah. do you, so I have yeah. one more quick question for you. Do, sure. do you think that your background as a competitive cyclist has been um, a big part of you being able yeah. to pivot? Yeah, because that's, I mean, that tells you a bit about my personality and that if I find something I love, 
and I'm good at, I'm like all in. And that's in relationship, (laughs) you know, that's in my work, that's in um, things that um, I become passionate about. If, if it's, and if I'm not, it's really hard to get my attention. Yeah. So did you feel like you, when you were in the corporate world, you were with Ralph Lauren, Mm -hmm. you were doing what you were doing then. Was there any sense um, that you were aware of where there was that little piece of sand uh, that was uncomfortable and and rubbing against you? Or did you just, you happened upon this thing that helped you and then you got interested in it and then you just followed that path because you became all in like, was, was there any kind of discomfort that led you to find the new passion? Yeah. Um, I've always had that discomfort. I've always had that sand. And so as a younger person, um, I was always seeking. So whether that was through, um, therapy or 12 step or, um, yoga or meditation, or, I mean, you know, I used to joke that I knew all the books in the self-help section of, you know, the strand back Girl, then. I spent a lot of time in that section. <laughs> so, you know, Course in Miracles, like all of it, like, so, you know, I've always been that person. And so at Ralph Lauren, I, I was that person too. I feel like, you know, Ralph Lauren was in a, a great experience because I was young I was 26 when I started working there and again it was you know sometimes I look back and I'm like why did they give me a job but I I feel like I grew up there and I feel like just the nature of what I did there also allowed for me to do all this other stuff that was just part of me finding my way and and being a little bit of a train wreck too at points, you know, just emotionally because I was such a strong, like I need more information. I was uncomfortable a lot. I'm someone who is uncomfortable a a lot in my skin, but, but, but not debilitated by it. Like I'll Mm. go, you know, so that's why I'm, I'm someone who's seeking, like I'm someone who's, yeah, not trying to find the solution, but trying to understand, you know, I'm, I'm, I do, you know, I consider myself someone who practices self-inquiry and, um, and as I got older, that has changed too. And I think that's part of like some of where it's something has changed where it's not about the information that I'm trying to get to bring in to learn and that will give me insight. It's more like, there's something about that. It's kind of already here. Mm. I just have to clear the way Mm. and like, and, and so that what's already here is something that is why I've always been the person I've been, you know, seeking like from a teenager, you know, I've been someone who's been interested in this sort of self inquiry. Um, So that's, that's been something interesting the last couple of years. Yeah. The last couple of years. Wow. Where I'm like, okay, it's not like the next book that I read or 
you know, you should see my podcast list and my, you know, audible, <laughs> and like, it's just, you know, every, I'm an information person, like just, yeah, I'm, just I love learning. Put it in my I veins, love learning man. about like, <laughs> why do I feel like a freak? Let me learn about why I feel like a freak. So, and I mean that in a, in a loving way, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like some of that has fallen away. Like it's already here. Like, of course it is because I'm here and I'm, I'm all right. Like we all have it inside of us. Right. And we just don't, I mean, it's just really is about trying to tap into what's already, what's already there for all of us. What's already there. Yeah. But you have to clear away all the. Yeah. I was talking to somebody earlier this week who was talking about the normalization of um, crisis and so mm-hmm. it makes me think of that sand, that uncomfortable thing where, yeah. y- where we have these, the discomfort or the crisis, if you want to call it. And then that then informs us and get, yeah. sets us on a new path that where we can then go out in the world and give something to somebody else, you know, which you've done. I, 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 th- I think, you know, if, if you're someone who is feeling that and recognizes that, absolutely have to do it. I mean, most of, you know, I talk about how my practice has changed and, you know, what I'm hearing, a lot of what I'm doing with people right now is just helping them through this, like, um, big discomfort and not people, you know, and there's no fault of their own. There's just some people who have never been so uncomfortable and they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to manage it. They don't know what it means. They think it's like the end of the world. Um, They don't believe it'll pass. Like they're, they're Mm -hmm. just so uncomfortable and, you know, and, and trying to find the words to help someone who doesn't have a language, you know, hasn't spent their life, you know, trying to understand, you know, mm-hmm. the, the workings of, of, you know, just everything just human, right. Just being human. And they're like, they're a mess. They're, you know, people. And that's where, you know, I think, and, and, and that's what I'm really paying attention to. I'm just like, okay, this is, this is what's next. You know, I don't know how long it's going to be going on, but you know, and, and it's like every day, you know, if it's a scare, a COVID scare, you know, we've been exposed, like we're all home and everybody's like freaking out. It's like these like constant waves, mm-hmm. um, people losing their jobs yeah. and having been never thought that that would ever happen to them. And, you know, and then, you know, I'm also seeing people for, well, I am seeing people for, you know, all the pain in their body right now because there's so much stress in their body. Like they, and they don't know those connections. They're just like, my back won't stop hurting. There's nothing wrong with their back, right? They're just so stressed out. That's the place that, that talks the most right now. It's, it is their vulnerable place. And that's, you know, it's that, and finding that language to help someone, you know, how do I help this person just, feel okay for the moment, you know? And I think, you know, there's, there's so many articles out there. And one of them I read recently was 
about the best thing we can do right now is just to really lower our expectations, like not feel like you're suddenly going to be inspired to write a book or, you know, have a great pivot story. It's just like, get through the day, you know, and pay attention to the people around you that are struggling right now. A lot of people are struggling right now. Yeah. So I'm fortunate that I, you know, I feel fortunate. I'm, I'm not where I was last year, but that's okay. Pay my bills you know, yeah, getting by. Right. (laughs) And, you know, I'm still excited about what will come, you know, what this will be. I may decide in the year to, you know, go back into an office and do, or do both or, you know, stay with this. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll have to touch base again in another another bit of time (laughs) somewhere down the road and see where this all leads you. It's very cool. Good conversation. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And I'm just, I'm going to have to send Amy a little thank you email. Yeah. I love Amy. You know, I've, I've known her, uh, for at least 12, maybe even 13 or 14 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah she's she's kind of like popped in and out of my life and popped in and out of my practice. <laughs> and she just did recently and then gave me you. So, so awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Such an amazing person. Yeah. Her. So I'll close it out by saying, thank you, Amy. <laughs> thank you, Amy. <laughs> oh, so great. Well, there you have it. I am so inspired by Michelle's determination and ingenuity, and I'm thinking we can all take a page from her playbook. Looking back at what she did, I'm, I'm seeing the following steps. Stop, reflect, assess the current situation, imagine alternative approaches to the problem, and when you think you have a solution, start taking action and adjust as you go. Did I miss anything? I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know more about Michelle, I'll have that information for you in the show notes. You can just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 49. And while you're there, you can also find a link to the sign-up sheet for your free guide, Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well and talk soon.